Hello, Kryptonauts. FTX regulated, Blockfly regulated, Voyager regulated, Genesis regulated, Silvergate regulated, SVB regulated, and USDC is regulated. Obviously, there's a problem going on with regulations. Cryptonauts, mm. welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John, with my co-host Jake Jabrelli episode 496 on this day of march 12 2023 welcome 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 all right so with that said there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on in the crypto news today so we're going to get right into it with that said jake go right. ahead with the first one yeah we're going to do crypto twitter as we always do on sunday nights this week on crypto twitter crypto has a banking crisis as if we didn't know from the outset of the thing that John just said, prices took a dive this week as two banks closely connected to the crypto industry both sank. You sank my bank, Olshep. <laughs> the first was Silvergate, an actual crypto bank, and the second was Silicon Valley Bank, a tech startup, a tech and startup focused institution that holds key crypto players as clients, including stablecoin issuer Circle and crypto VC firms Andreessen Horowitz. <gasps> A16Z got hit. And Sequoia Capital. On Thursday, Ram um, Ahlu Walia, I'm sorry, I butchered that name, CEO of the SEC registered investment advisory firm Lumita, criticized Senator Elizabeth Warren's negative reaction to the news of Silvergate's collapse. I'm going to read just a bit of it. He says, Silvergate, the first crypto bank, faced a bank run that led to its downfall. Despite facing allegations around uh, anti-money laundering, it, it was not these issues that ultimately caused the demise of SI. So, continuing on, that's just his response to her. <clears throat> the following day, reports emerged that Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, was looking for outside acquisition. Not long after they hit the press, California's Department of Financial Protection and Innovation shut the bank down and appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC as it's usually known, to take over operations. Jamie Quinn, a general partner at investment firm Uncommon Capital, wrote a long and helpful primer on SVB's downfall. I will not read this, but it is a long one. American investor and entrepreneur Bill Ackman called for government intervention in a multi-tweet thread. This is his tweet, well, at least the first of them. Fintech investor Gur Gavin cried that there was some double dealing from SVB executives. Yes, that absolutely happened. A lot of people were doing insider trading. It sucks they're all going to get prosecuted, I'm sure. That Bill Ackman tweet surprisingly came, came across my thread I read it. It is super, super long, mm -hmm. um, and it's very, very detailed. I, I don't know. I n never even heard of Bill Ackman prior to this, but it was really good. So you got a chance to read that stuff. There's a lot of good yep. info. All the links uh, to all these articles are going to be in the description. You guys can check them out. Uh, other reports revealed that SVB stock executive was aggressively lobbying lawmakers for weaker, weaker banking regulations. Stop regulating us. It hurts. Oh, it hurts. No, it doesn't. You guys are just weak. Raging Capital Ventures, an account that provides financial, political, and tech commentary, did a multi-tweet deep dive on SVB's perilous securities investments over the last couple years. Yeah, I've seen some of this already. A video showing a, the reality of a bank run made the rounds on Twitter this week. Yep, people waiting in line to get their money. Like, nobody ever goes to the bank anymore. Why would you go physically to the bank? Just 
pull it out over digital, whatever. Anyways, former SVB employee Samir Kaji called it the quickest bank run ever in a long thread breaking down the collapse blow by blow. His, his tweets there. Gary Tan, I, I these, go ahead. I'm going to play this video here real quick. It's nine seconds long. Uh, okay. Yeah, cut that audio out so we don't get copyright struck. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Gary Tan, CEO of startup incubator Y Combinator, shared the stark reality affecting the companies under his stewardship as a result of the news. In his multi-tweet thread, New York Times journalist Paul Krugman accused SVB of affinity fraud, a form of confidence trickery, though not fraud in the legal sense, he explained. On Saturday, Bill Ackman claimed to know what will happen to SVB depositors whose funds were locked in the bank at the time of the collapse. And his, that's his tweet there. Furthering on, crypto companies distanced themselves, not surprising, Many crypto companies use Twitter to assure their followers that they weren't exposed to the, crypt the collapsed banks. I even personally got the emails for, for these companies. Look, look, we're not involved. We're completely gluten-free. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Tether CTO Paolo Arduino said that Twitter's reserves were safe. <laughs> Chinese blockchain journalist Colin Wu confirmed Tether's statement. I'll read that real quick here. Tether explained that it doesn't have any exposure to Silicon Valley Bank, the cash arm of USDT, reserves mainly in various banks in the Bahamas and Puerto Rico. All offshore. Thank you very much. Just like FTX, right? The $39 billion Treasury Reserve is managed by Wall Street bond trading uh, magnate Cantor Fitzgerald. Avalanche admitted some exposure to SVB, but none to Silvergate. Board Ape Yacht Club creator Yuga Labs denied it had anything in SVB. Well, I, well remains to be seen. On Friday, fears started growing around stablecoin issuer Circle, a company tied to both the collapse of, uh, rather, collapse of both banks. Circle itself tweeted to admit that it had limited exposure to SVB via its cash reserves, some of which it held with the bank. Right, we already know three and a half billion, roughly. Crypto holders were spooked regardless, and many ditched their USDC. Yes, there was a huge, huge run on USDC. Popular crypto exchange Binance closed its in-house off-ramp, claiming it was the standard procedure. Great. Thanks thanks for cutting everybody off, Binance. You're doing a great job. Rival Coinbase also halted conversions. I'll read theirs. We are temporarily pausing USDC to USD conversions over the weekend while banks are closed. Great. That's not how crypto works. During periods, <laughs> during periods of heightened activity, conversions rely on USD transfers from banks that uh, clear during normal banking hours. When banks are open on Monday, we plan to recommence conversions. Uh, that's just a great way to... It, it, it's already recovered, so it doesn't really matter. But Yeah, but you know what's crazy? Through this whole collapse, the USD did not depeg. That's what's crazy about this whole fiasco. You know, just just literally last week, everybody was like anti, you know, BUSD. The feds are after them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to shut you down. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't do this because your books aren't correct. Yep. But what happened the following week? USD ends up. See, that's what that's what happens, man. When you guys are snitches, yep. you know, they ended up snitching out BUSD for for having uh, uh, the, the, the incorrect logs in their books and it backfired. Mm hmm. 
There were some serious signs of slippage on Saturday at the time of writing USDC trades at five cents sort of a dollar peg. Yeah, I think we, we noted this in the pre-show that it dropped down to 0.87. So yeah. it was a pretty, pretty, pretty far fall, but it didn't, it didn't collapse like Terra, fortunately. Circle eventually confessed the full extent of its exposure to SVB. S- they, they did that wrong. It's SVB. Anyways, <laughs> which appears to be very small in proportion to its total cash reserves. It's only $3 billion out of $40 billion. It's still, eh, it's still it's almost 10%. Mis- <laughs> it's misspelled because that's what happens when you use AI. Uh, yeah, probably. Circle CEO and co-founder Jeremy Allaire. All, 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 all air? I hope it's all air. Um, he's all air. Anyways, <laughs> shared it. All air. <laughs> shared a blog post outlining the situation in more depth, and that's not a tweet so much as a blog post. So go ahead and read it on your own time. One seriously unlucky crypto fan would have been better off sticking with USDC after getting burned for virtually their entire two million dollars when trying to jettison it quick. Ouch! <laughs> I'm going to read that one real quick here. With USDC insolvency fears rampant, users are fleeing to safety in other stables. Not all of them, however, are going to make it there in one piece. Here's how unlucky one user paid $2 oh, yeah, million dollars to receive $0.05 cents of USDT. How do you screw that up, bro? Oh, how do you screw man. that up? Oh, man. I hope that, that was someone... On, that happened on Friday. Yeah, that, yeah. That's just, that just hurts. That really... Ouch. Oh, God. Um, I don't have $2 million to spend, so how did they do it? No. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so that's all the news for Crypto Twitter. We can continue on to coins. Yeah, sure. Yeah, with this whole new update from Decrypt.co. They updated their website, so it's looking a little um, little different now, but uh, yeah. we'll work through it. All right, this week in coins, after Silvergate and Silicon Valley Bank collapse, Bitcoin and Ethereum crash. <clears throat> hmm, surprise, surprise. It was the third consecutive week of market-wide depreciation in 2023. The repercussion of the announced wind-down of Silvergate Bank were still unfolding when Silicon Valley Bank failed. Market leaders Bitcoin and Ethereum saw heavy losses, but they weren't the only losers. Virtually every leading cryptocurrency is down by double digits percentages coming into the weekend. The markets were first roiled by the demise of crypto bank Silvergate. The writing was on the wall last week when the bank delayed filing its annual 10K report with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, leading to a sustained pullback in prices throughout the previous week. The speculation continued on Tuesday when the White House's press secretary said Washington was monitoring the situation. The following day, Silvergate's parent company announced the bank was shutting operations. (gasps) What? The news led to a market-wide sell-off, which sent the combined market capitalization of all cryptocurrencies back below a trillion dollars. By that point, concerns about Silicon Valley Bank were already clogging the rumors mills. Yes, they were. According to CoinGecko price data, Bitcoin was down 10.5% and is sitting right at the $20,000 support level at the start of the weekend. And it's almost at 20,055 at the time of writing. It's a lot higher than that now. Uh, I think it's like 22, isn't it? Jake? Uh, the price, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little over 20. 22, sorry. Yeah. 22,000. Yeah. Ethereum, the world's number two cryptocurrency by market cap, had a similar trajectory this week. It's down 9.5% over the last seven days. And it's starting, t- starting the weekend around $1,425. 
Similar losses of around 15% were posted by Polygon Matic, which is now worth $1.04. Polkadot is worth $5.52. Shiba Inu trades at, <laughs> I don't even know, that's not even, it's, it's trading at nothing. Trading at point zero 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 one zero two four. Well, that's, it's, it's not worth very much, so. <laughs> Avalanche changes hands at $14.76. Uniswap is worth $5.63. Chainlink at six twenty. The steeper losses for the week, around 20% or more, were posted by Filecoin, which is currently worth $5.30. OKB trades at $39.74. Solana at $17.74. And Dogecoin at $0.06. Regulators talk risk, environment, and the digital dollar. U.S. regulators were also in the spotlight this week as they aired their concerns about crypto. On Monday, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell told lawmakers on Capitol Hill that while the U.S. Central Bank doesn't want to stifle innovation, regulated financial institutions must take great care when engaging with crypto space due to the prevalence of fraud and the lack of transparency in the space. Elsewhere on Capitol Hill that day, the U.S. Senate chaired what lawmakers have called the first ever hearing on crypto mining environmental footprint. Senator Ed Markley, Democrat from Massachusetts, led the sessions of the Committee on Environment and Public Works and said that mining deserves a spotlight because it is extremely energy intensive and enables the creation of heavily concentrated wealth. Markey is also the sponsor of a bill pushing for more transparency for miners regarding the environmental impact. On Wednesday, U.S. Congressman Stephen Lynch Democrat from Massachusetts questioned Jerome Powell as the latter testified before the House Financial Service Committee. Lynch asked Powell whether a tokenized vision of the version of the U.S. dollar would wipe out other cryptocurrencies. Powell replied that he, quote, never understood the valuation of cryptocurrencies, end quote, and argues that they don't have any intrinsic value, but nonetheless trade for a positive number. He refrained from speculating on the impact of the digital dollar. That same day, Rostin Bechnam, chairman of the Commodities and Futures Trading Commission, CFTC, told the Senate Agricultural Committee that Ethereum is a commodity. The CFTC is considered one of the most likely regulators of crypto alongside the SEC, but Benham's opinion is at odds with the SEC chair Gary Gensler, who has repeatedly made Clear, he sees all cryptocurrencies except Bitcoin as securities. Finally, at a panel hosted by Cato Institute, Cato, excuse me, Cato Institute on Thursday, Republicans House Majority Whip, uh, Whip Tom Emmer, Republican of uh, Minnesota, was Minnesota, right? Amen. Minnesota? Yes, Minnesota. W- warned, warned against a central bank digital currency, CBDC. Oh, I remember this Thursday. Arguing the concept was an affront to American values of privacy, individual sovereignty, and free markets. Quote, As the federal government seeks to maintain and expand the financial control to which it has grown accustomed to, the idea of the central bank digital currency has gained traction within the institutions of power, Emmer said. I'm confident that American values will always prevail against the power-hungry whims of unelected bureaucrats. Beautiful. 
beautiful, man. I want that. I want that posted on my wall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, next news. Yeah, we're getting on to uh, the Fed shutting down. Well, we, we kind of already talked about this quite a bit just with the first two articles, but frankly, it needs to be discussed because this is this is big news. This is. Uh, I don't know if it's the fears of centralization or just the result of centralization. <laughs> but uh, the Fed shut down Signature Bank, uh, Say Signature, and Silicon Valley Bank depositors will be made whole. Sub subtext is the statement assured spooked investors that the U.S. banking system remains resilient despite the failure of several institutions. And per your little meme that you had up earlier, I don't know if you want to put it up again, the Bart Simpson and, and Homer Simpson oh. meme, which is ever ever so appropriate to this um yeah that one the svb is the largest bank to fail since the 2008 crisis uh no it's the largest bank to fail so far <laughs> yeah um this is the problem is that just because it's the largest since 2008 which is what 16 years ago um <clears throat> 15 years ago doesn't mean it won't happen again. In fact, we've already seen some major crypto banks or crypto institutions fail. Why can't more fail? Well, I'm not saying why I want more to fail, but really it's it's a leveraging issue that um, during COVID, uh, SVB over leveraged itself. And then when people, when we came out of COVID or we're coming out of COVID right now, as it seems, uh, people aren't able to pay back because interest rates are so high that new stuff costs way more. And so they're underwater. And yep. I feel bad for anybody who put more than a quarter million dollars into a bank and thought it would be safe. But there are, I mean, the fact that US, the fact that USDC had 3.3 .3 billion in there. Eh. <laughs> you know, are you talking about Circle? Yeah, you're, yeah sorry. Circle. Yeah, I'm just saying that, 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 that USDC, support of USDC was basically one-tenth of all its support was in one bank. Now, I know that they probably have it highly diversified, and you should do that. You should absolutely diversify as much as you can. But the thing I find funny is banks, including SVB, will penalize people who try to store more than $10 million in, in their bank. Money should be invested in, in building things. It's a tool. You shouldn't just sit on it. So, um, anyways. It's interesting. When, the, when this all collapsed, when this all happened on Friday, you know, um, Everybody, including myself, I was speculating 100% mad. This was close to, actually, it technically opened the day up like that where bad news came through. And when they closed down, the, when they shut down the day, just a lot of bad news was circulating. And everybody was waiting for tomorrow, technically for Monday, because Monday was is will be the determining factor of what's going to happen, whether it's going to be a black swan event or things will actually settle in. And so that's kind of why... You have Janet Yellen, another representative, coming up and pretty much saying that everything is okay, okay? Don't worry about anything. We'll, we'll take care of you as long as you don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> exactly. Please ignore the man behind the curtain. Uh. That's the reality of what's going on here. You know, it's, it's really stupid. Um, should, should, should it collapse? Absolutely not. You know, when I heard about this on Friday, there's way too many companies affiliated with with uh, SVB and Silvergate. So, so it's one of those things that it's sad that that there's a lot of over leveraging going on, a lot of credit being lent out. So it's just a 
ass situation going on. Mm-hmm. What should have happened was they should have been given the option to be bought out by other banks. Yeah. You know, it's going to hurt the market for the for, for, for short term. But in the long run, it's, I think, a lot healthier than saying, uh, you know what, um, I gambled the money and I don't have it. Can you just give me some money? Yeah, sure. Here you go, son. Give yeah. me some money. Yeah, there's no punishment. That's not healthy, man. That's not no. healthy. Exactly. This is what we need. We need. Um, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't, obviously shouldn't be hurt. But, but this is the problem. This is the reason we talk about this all the time, right? Not your keys, not your crypto. In this case, <laughs> uh, if you're storing your money in a, a physical bank, it's not your money. It's their money. And obviously you're protected by the, by the Fed up to a quarter million dollars. Um, which, honestly, in my opinion, it might be a little bit low considering how much money a quarter million dollars is anymore. But um, it's... It, you should be holding your own money yourself under your own. I'm not saying you have to stick it in your mattress. I'm not saying you have to put it in a safety deposit box because that's technically still in somebody else's control. But put in stable coins. But put it. I mean, not necessarily in stable coins either. But it, what I'm trying to say is that that it should be your in your control. It should be in your control, and it's not. And you're trusting the institutions to have your back. Fortunately, the, in this case, the U.S. government does have your back to some degree. Um, this but, time around, only right. this time around. Well, that's, know, that's, it, what's, that's what the that's what the FDIC is for. Okay, the FDIC is there to back up when a bank fails, and they've guaranteed everybody up to quarter million dollar, no matter what bank you put in it. So if you put, if you put, uh, two point five million dollars in ten banks, you're guaranteed for all that money. So you can do that. You can put more money in other banks and, and be protected if you could find enough banks out there. I'm sure there are enough. Um, but the fact of the matter is you shouldn't just be sitting on money. You should be investing it. If you have a bunch of spare money, you should be investing it. And yes, you're going to lose money doing that. You're not just going to hold on to it. But the whole point is to build businesses, to build things, and to make more functionality for this country. So the, the, I'm not saying it, it sucks. Obviously, it does suck when things fail. But it, it, how do I put this exactly? We need a, a better way to maintain control. And that is what we're struggling to find with crypto. What? So let me let me pitch you this this idea. So um, I think it's China. China is for sure is pitching this idea. I feel <laughs> what other countries doing it. It's uh, with the, with their uh, their digital their digital uh, dollar digital mm-hmm. yuan. Digital yuan, yeah. Um, uh, so what 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 they're petitioning is uh, is you're you're not you're not allowed to save the, your 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 digital yuan. You're not allowed to save your money. You have to utilize it and circulate it into into the economy. Which in a way it sounds it sounds good, but Knowing that you don't have the independence to have reserves, yeah. In case of emergency, that's all bad. If you don't, they'll they'll, they'll retract any any remaining funds in your account. Yeah, that, that that's definitely not control. <laughs> that's they have all control. You're just living under their control. You know, basically, all of Chinese citizens are just serfs to the CCP. Yeah, so. I'm trying to figure out what other country it was. I I want to say. South Korea, I think, was petitioning the idea, or I forgot what. It, no, no, I'm, I, that's now I'm just talking a bunch of nonsense. I know there was a second country put petitioning the idea. Um, well, in any case, the uh, <clears throat> you, some people are protected. One, one, I remember I saw it on Twitter. It said that 97% of all deposits in SVB Silicon Valley Bank are over a quarter million dollars, which means that. And it could be ten thousand over a quarter million. Maybe it's not a whole lot, but ninety-seven um, percent of the deposits are greater than a quarter million, which means they're only going to get a quarter million back. That's all that's guaranteed. 
Now, of course, there may be more money still in the bank, in which case when the bank can pull more money back in order to, to get you know, its payments repaid on what, they, what people held the money in, they, they, don't, they don't necessarily need the quarter million right now, do they? There's a run on the bank because people are scared, but that doesn't necessarily mean they need their money right now. They're just worried about not having control over it. So yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Literally in a few hours from now, yep. we'll find out what's going to happen. You know, um, even though everything's kind of backed up by 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 government, they're going to take the money still run. Is SVDB still going to collapse? Is it going to give time? Is it, is it going to be like three months down the road? Is it going to be next week? You know, or literally next year? Well, is everybody going to just siphon out their money? The best way of looking at it is that the reason that that SVB collapsed was because it couldn't pay the debts. Uh, you know, it couldn't pay people what they needed. And when there's a bank run, they really can't pay it. So if people just stop running, then SBB can continue to try to get the money back from the people that owe the money. Now, if the if the debtors, the people that owe the money, can't pay it back, then there's a problem. But if they can, they just need a little bit of time, then it probably will sort itself out. So but that's probably why they don't reveal their their was it their K10 report right. uh, when they're requested to because they yep. were probably. Uh, having issues with people repaying their exactly their loans. exactly and that that's what the government will then have to go and figure out is who who can actually actually make the payments and who cannot and and we already know that the reason <clears throat> one of the reasons people are having trouble making payments is because the economy is bad so so this is literally a repeat of um, a, a SBF in a this sense is, this is pretty much the same exact thing. Except that this is with banks and and they, they, they were bailed out basically or not well technically no, they weren't bailed their their entire company was taken over by the government they don't have a company anymore yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so it they they're not in charge of anything which of course we already know they were doing bad anyways and we already know that the executives seeing the writing on the wall started started trying to bail themselves out which is completely illegal. You can't yep. do that. You can't just steal money from the bank when you see it failing. When you see it failing, you need to turn yourself in. And that's what, at least what Sam Bankman-Fried did, even though it was too late for him at that point. Um, so, anyways, let's just move on to uh, <laughs> the good news. <laughs> People are minting BRC20 meme tokens on Bitcoin via Ordinals. Yeah, so if you guys don't know, Ordinals is a thing on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, Ordinals has been around for, I'll say, what, a couple months now, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost just, uh, it's like chat chat GPT. The popularity is just exploding. It's only been around for it, a few months. <laughs> and it's it, yeah, this is exploding. Ordinals and inscriptions are one thing. Um, so Ordinals is more of a, a protocol to to track Satoshi's within the Bitcoin blockchain. And then there's the whole inscription uh, the inscription um, uh, protocol, which you can inscribe uh, data under four megabytes onto the Bitcoin blockchain, which you can pretty much put anything you want as long as it fits within four, uh, four megabytes or a little less. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what people are doing. People are loving it. People get to have it permanently on the, on the Bitcoin blockchain forever decentralized across the globe. Now we have this new thing called BRC20s where people are, uh, are able to make their own tokens, their own fungible tokens on the Bitcoin blockchain, which is crazy. So now we can make our own C3 token on the Bitcoin blockchain forever to be stored on the Bitcoin blockchain and distributed that way as well. That is actually really cool. And I'm sure that as time goes on, there's going to be a lot more protocols coming out with, uh, with Ordinals. And this is all thanks to Taproot. Don't forget that, which uh, that's pretty much where it came through. Um, and ta- that's, the, that's the amazing thing, man. So if anybody wants to, uh, uh, as part of a blockchain that doesn't have Taproot, petition that so you guys can have this awesome stuff that's going on with Bitcoin right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 as we were talking pre-show, um, the BRC 20 is, you know, it's something that I think you mentioned, John, that, that, uh, smart contracts were a thing and always have been a thing even on Bitcoin, but nobody was really into it because it was so slow or it was just not accessible like ethereum ethereum uh virtual machine makes things right. so much faster and so much more functional if it it, right. it takes some learning and there's a learning curve to it but the learning curve of bitcoin was just not as effective it just wasn't there and now this is making it effective so. yeah from what I, from what i understand taproot has made it a lot more easier to 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 uh integrate smart contracts and so that's once again it, it comes back to taproot which is kind of weird because uh uh inscriptions is on on Litecoin, right? right. <clears throat> and Litecoin has Taproot, but uh, inscriptions are also on Dogecoin. Yep. But Dogecoin does not have Taproot. Nope. So that's interesting how Dogecoin was able to integrate uh, inscriptions into their blockchain. How do they do it? I don't know. Um, but what do they call them? They call them. Uh, they call them Dogecriptions. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 a little it's a modified it's a modified version of of inscriptions uh because they don't it, it's it's from what i from what i heard it's different from the way it's being done on bitcoin and litecoin because it's not the same thing they don't have taproot on there anyways yep. so yeah this was pretty much uh yeah you get to mint your own coin so if you guys want to try it it's it's the thing is it's so new that it's still in code based form yep. so you guys need to know your guys's code in order to actually do it um and you literally screw up a comma a number a letter or, yeah you're, you're done semicolon. It's, it's destroyed so uh, you gotta be you gotta be a little bit smart to uh yeah someone's already you know someone's already coding a, a, a visual interface for it so oh absolutely even even with inscriptions like right now like like when inscriptions first came out it was it was so complicated um, that you're only people are only able to create, you know, um, in, in a 24-hour period, like a, a few, a, a hundred, if that, right? Yep. And now it's to the point where we have, um, as of today, 31,700 inscriptions within 24 hours. Yeah, like, per day. By by next week, it's gonna be like 50,000 inscriptions, and that's because there's new websites popping up mm -hmm. where people are able to easily uh, um, uh, utilize the 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 GUI uh, 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 platform. Where you literally just go, I, I pay I pay the Satoshi fee, I upload my uh, my my metadata, and it mints onto the blockchain. That's yep. how easy it is now. Yep. So not cool. and not just that, but just the fact that it's permanent. It's kind of a neat thing. It's like you're whatever you put on there, you can't change. Once you do it, it's done. Even if you mess it up, it's done. And if you want to make a change to that thing, you kind of have to do another Satoshi. <laughs> oh, we want to change it. You can't change it. Sorry, it's permanent. You've now bricked it or put it in, uh, put it in stone or digital if stone. If you guys want to know more, there, there, what's cool about this article here, you guys should read it. The uh, link is going to be below. Uh, Leonidas, awesome guy, super active in Twitter. If you guys want to know more, follow this guy. Uh, another guy that's on. Uh, we, this is this is the guy right here, uh, 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 Jake. Uh, C4, the one that we had on, on, on the, uh, yeah, the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, C4. Yeah, C4. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's super active. Um, really, really verbal about about ordinals. And this guy is really smart. So, uh, if you guys want to know more about it, and the, the thing about this community is that they're so humble, they're so open. If you guys just want to know more, jump, jump jump over to them and just chat with them for a bit. They'll let you know everything, man. They're not, they don't bite. Nope. You know, if you guys want to learn more about it, about Bitcoin blockchain, everything that's going yep. on in the ecosystem, 
talk to them, man. They're awesome. Yeah. All right, so moving on to a little Hedera on Crypto Potato. Um, Hedera exploit attackers target smart contract service code. The exact sum of tokens that were stolen is still not known. What's, <laughs> what's interesting is that uh, just literally this, so this happened uh, Friday as well, I think yep. it was Friday or Saturday. Yep. And literally like the day before, they just had their, their 5 billion transaction, I guess, anniversary quote-unquote yep. everybody was you know talking about it yeah we reached five billion transactions to date you know to total transactions then all mm -hmm. of a sudden like the following day you got you have this hedera exploit going on which is kind of bad you know it's like oh man um so well, in regards to this it's one, once again um it's an issue with smart contracts that uh would you would you call it a uh, a bridge i guess yeah um, a, a bridge from, it's it's a bridge from 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 uh, uh social shop hilly swap uh, pretty much that's 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 communicating from from Uniswap to to the Hedera mainnet So somebody was able to tap into that and, and start siphoning off uh, uh, Coins out of there. So what Hedera did which is kind of clever But yet sus at the same time is that instead of freezing the entire blockchain They let the blockchain run and turn off their um, what did I call them their uh, the proxies Proxies yeah, they turned off their proxies. So the proxies what I understood is proxies are what we communicate with when we're trying to co communicate to the main chain, right? So we, there's there's multiple proxies around the globe that uh, people can can communicate their smart contracts with, and that in turn communicates to the main chain. So when these prox proxies were turned off, the, the main chain technically was never turned off. So Adara's chain was still continuously going, still uh, processing transactions that were uh, kind of already like. Uh, um, remaining on the network and while, while that was going on they were trying to clear up and try to figure out how they can uh, uh reverse the situation going on with uh with this this uh vulnerability that's going on uh did they find out uh, uh, the the issue i don't think they did uh did they jake did you see no no they didn't no not yet it didn't right nope yeah so i don't know if they're i don't know if their proxies are back up uh, but it's been a couple of days, so that's kind of a sus if their network is not back up. And uh, well, technically the network is up; it's just yep. that it's down for anybody that wants to communicate to the main chain. Right. It's kind of weird. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of sus. Yeah, it is. It's very weird. It's it's as we just spoke pre-show. The the problem seems to be you know centralization in in a network that was literally set up to be controlled by what 34 different companies or in different industries. And yeah, so what that's so it. it <laughs> I'll actually go to my Twitter while, while you keep talking here. I'm gonna find this article here. Well, in any case, I guess the thing that's that's annoying about it is just the fact that people are, uh, you know, not just blocked from it, but it's like it's the devs who have this. And we, the way I put it when, when you and I were talking about this is like you got a lot of kickback for them freaking out about you saying, Hey, why is this limited? Why, why are you guys forcing us to not have access to this? And, and they're like, look, we're just doing development. I mean, come on, man. And it's kind of like, um, all right, well, you guys do development and I'll come back when you are done and ready for prime time. Cause at this moment, it doesn't seem like you are. And that the thing that's funny about this is like, there are, applications and software and services on the web that aren't fully developed that's perfectly normal i understand that but you should at least tell people it's a soft open 
and not we're ready for business. Everyone's going. Look at this. We have 5 billion transactions already done. Great. But if you're going to cut people off from the main chain, uh, that's not fully open. <laughs> I get it. You're trying to make sure that you can stop something that goes awry. I completely understand because like, there was that one DAO where the guy uh, got in there and voted all the shares to himself. That's not cool. But at the same time, it's like it, you, you put a product out into the world. People are using it. And now you're telling them you can't use it. This sounds like Coinbase when they're like, oh, well, there's too many transactions. And, you know, people are just doing too much. We can't support this right now because the banks aren't open. Uh, crypto doesn't sleep, dude. Mm -hmm. You can't just stop the thing that doesn't stop. Or else it's not legit. In which case, people should abandon Hedera. No. So this is a this is a link directly from the Hedera.com website slash blog, and it says uh, these proxies will be deployed to the stable testnet, obviously testnet, and then obviously mainnet, um, released on May 5th and mainnet version uh, 0.5.0, released on May 12th. These proxies will be distributed across three uh, three cloud environments: Google Cloud, AWS, and Microsoft Azure. Each node, 39 proxies total, they'll be fully controlled by Hedera today. And that's why they were able to turn off those proxies. Mm -hmm. But fully controlled that ownership will be passed to every council member node operator individually no or earlier than version 0.7.0 of the Hedera node software to continue forging our path towards decentralization. So that's why uh, there was backlash from my tweet from the Hedera community saying, hey, you got to see the big picture. I understand. But it's still sus that this is the thing that can be done by one entity being just Hedera devs. Yep. Uh, this should have been, the proxies should have been already distributed from, from the get-go once the council was created, in my opinion, right? If you already have a council there, it should have been distributed. Yep, yeah. Um, why, why, what's, what's, the, what's the point of having a council if they don't have control? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you don't like letting go of control? Oh, I'm so sorry, you don't like letting go of control. Let's see what it says here. They'll be fully controlled by Hedera today, but full control and ownership will be passed to every council member, node operator, individually no earlier than version 0.7 of the Hedera node software to continue forging our path towards decentralization. Hedera governing council members joining the network today will be required to stand up uh, to stand up proxies, which they singularly control with their existing environment and geography as to ensure consistent network performance. Right. And it goes on to more detail. So if anybody wants to read this, it's literally, that's the good thing about Hedera yeah. is that even though I'm, I, I don't agree with what's going on here, at least they're transparent and telling you, hey, these are the pros and cons that's going on. This is what we did. This is what's going on. It's all transparent. At least they don't hide it from you. That's right. the big thumbs up that I'll give to, to Hedera is yeah. that they don't, they're open. they don't try to conceal anything. Yeah. They don't hide anything. There. Yeah, they're open to, to making sure that you're aware of what's going on. It is, Whether it's you agree positive. or disagree, this is what's going on, basically. Yeah, I just feel like it feels like it's still in development, and if it is still in development, then it's not ready for main for prime time. You know, it's just not ready. And if you're using it as a prime time thing, then you're wrong. And I'm sorry if they cut you off because you thought it was a, a, a live product and it really wasn't. Then that's the only problem I have. The only issue I have with them is like, well, you guys basically lied to everybody. You're saying you're live and you're not. So five point one billion transactions later, let's see right, what we have. Right. No, they're they're definitely proving it proving it, but it's the same time it's it'd be better if they were just more more decentralized. 
It's, it's hard to let go of the baby, I understand. But someday, you're going to have to let him out of the house. So, let's move to the last bit of news we're going to talk about here, which is kind of a consolidated tool for finding oh, yeah. scams faster. Token Sniffer. This is actually really cool. Token Sniffer adds API for faster scam scans. <laughs> scam scans. Solidus Lab says it has found more than a quarter million rug pulls since 2021. A new scam token created every four minutes. Yeah. So, why am I into this? Well, um, yeah, you guys probably know what honeypots are. Maybe you don't know what honeypots are. We talked about this briefly in the past. Um, so, a honeypot is kind of like, it's actually more of a reverse honeypot. But the point is, they send you a bunch of tokens. And then you try to transact. You're like, oh, look, the price is going up. So, you get in there and you try to buy more. And then when you try to pull them out because the price is still going out, you find out, oh, the smart contract is tied to only one address that only that one address can pull tokens out. And then you're just like, well, I can't get out of this. And then you go on PooScan, or a token sniffer in this case, and find out that, oh, this is a honeypot or a rug pull. Well, a rug pull, is you will never see it coming. But a honeypot, you can at least find out it's a honeypot. But by then you're too late and your hand is stuck, or your coins in this case. With a rug pull, I, I, I'm assuming that Token Sniffer would be able to detect if there is a backdoor yep. to, to uh, withdraw all coins. Yep. Well, I mean, but regardless of the res- whether there is a, a backdoor, the honeypot is the one that I was sent. I was sent a bunch of coins for a bunch of different uh, random oh, yeah. smart contracts. And if you're initially, the way it shows up is the people who get fooled in the beginning, which is a total pyramid scheme, but basically people get fooled in the very, very beginning. Uh, all these people get sent these coins, whether accidentally or legitimately. Um, and they're just like, oh, look, it has a value of, let's say it was, I think what mine was worth when it sent to me was $1,000. And the price kept going up. Well, there's a reason. As I said, you can't pull anything out. You can buy it. You can get into it, but you can't get out of it. And that's why it's a honeypot. Yeah. And so at the end, when the person decides they want to take all the value out, they only, their one address has the ability to pull value out so it's it's a it's really kind of sneaky honestly <laughs> if you didn't know what it was you could easily get trapped um but it's it's unfortunate so the, the whole advantage here of what uh token sniffer is doing is is looking at these scams to see how they act like other ones in the past to warn people to not get into them or if in the case of a honeypot they're just sent the tokens they can go look it up i would think it would be important since this token sniffer is all about apis that things like uh, non-custodial wallets would include their API just in, you know, basically access their API to say, hey, if you get sent these tokens, Token Sniffer will automatically tell you if they're legit. Well, I, mean, I guess it could be included. CoinGecko has Coin term- or Gecko Terminal, which will tell you. So, um, but not everyone's using that. You know, not everyone's even aware. But if this is Token Sniffer does actually act on a lot of different uh, coins. You can figure out whether or not it's legit through their charting system of Dex Screener, Gecko Terminal, Etherscan, Dex Tools, PooCoin. You know, it's a whole bunch of different tools that that Token Sniffer is pulling together into one function here. How how does t- US, USDT no. have a, <laughs> have a zero? zero out of <laughs> uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> token is sellable, not a honeypot at this time. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's mo- it's adequate. So yeah, it's it's a neat neat concept that these guys created uh, to help people figure out whether or not a smart contract or a token is legit. I appreciate, it. I sincerely appreciate it. it. 
but I obviously the point of the article is to make uh, is to make out that you that different websites can use the G, the API from Token Sniffer to help their customers uh, determine if a token that they might be interested in is legit. Oh look, Squid Coin! Squid Coin's amazing. No, 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 no! Please don't. That's a that's a rug pull. Don't go there. <laughs> I try to warn them, man. I try to warn them. Yeah, it's the, it is it is difficult. I won't deny it. It is absolutely difficult to make sure that what you're into is real. And that's the point of Token Sniffer. So hopefully they, they get more integrated into other functions so that people can look up something before they get, get uh, scammed. I love the simplicity of it. It's yeah. not difficult to transcribe the data there because it's a... It's a black and white. It's in letters, man. That's what's hmm. great. There are a bunch of numbers floating around everywhere. I mean, yep. obviously They're pulling everything in so you can I look understand, at it. I understand all this. It's very easy to read. Yeah, it's very simple. And that's the end game, right? So, yeah, that's uh, that's all we got for the show today. Just the last bit here with Token Niffer. Um, don't put your money in SVP, please. Uh, don't put your money in scams. Don't put your money in Squid Coin. Don't put your money with a man named Sam. <laughs> Uh, one Bitcoin is worth one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is worth one Bitcoin. Okay, so w one more thing we want to talk about. We do at the end here at Cointree. Uh, the, this is the link to all of our links. It's easy to use, just like Linktree is, but this is for crypto. It's also sponsored for free by uh, Naomi Bro uh, Brockwell, right? Um, Correct. And uh, you can check out all of our links to all of our social media, as well as anything way you would like to donate to us. We'd always appreciate it. Give us a thumbs up if you want to at a bare minimum. We appreciate that, too. Um, so only, the, la yeah, the last thing we would like to mention is that we have more uh, interviews coming up if you'd like to uh, be a guest on our show we find that a lot of people that, that seems to be our most interesting content most people seem to like to watch the, uh, the guest interviews so we're looking for more people to interview and if you guys want to come out and meet us we will be at uh, this is coming up I'm going to let this go two months from now in mid-May we're going to be at the Blockchain Festival. We will be doing tons of interviews, and if you guys want to meet us, we will be there in Santa Clara, May 17th and 18th. So uh, check out. You can you can go for free. It's free to get in, but you, you don't get all the perks, all the extra stuff. But lots of stuff going on at Blockchain Expo. Uh, it's a big tech expo, IoT, big data, cybersecurity, cloud stuff, 5G, edge computing, digital transformation, all kinds of stuff. Lots and lots of people will be there. It was a huge convention. We went in October in 2022. And it was awesome. So if you go, it's going to come out and see us. We will be there uh, interviewing and talking to everybody. Uh, all three of us will actually be there, Mike, John, and myself. So come out and find us. Also, check out our interview, our guest interviews coming up every Thursday at 7 p.m. At that, we also say at the end of every show, stack sats, stack sats. and yeah. hodl. Uh, Adios. Uh,